Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 14. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. We come to a very familiar passage in Scripture, one of the most familiar passages in the Bible. If you've been with us, who's been with me in John chapter 13? Show of hands. Uh, John 13, then you know that John 13, 14, 15, and 16 take place in the upper room. It's Thursday night, the night of the Last Supper, the night Jesus would be arrested, the night before Golgotha, the night before Jesus dies. And Judas has been dismissed. And Jesus turns his attention to the 11 disciples. Uh, I want you to look at John chapter 13, look at verse 31. John 13, 31, when Jesus had gone out, Jesus said, now the Son of Man is glorified and God is glorified in him. So John chapter 13, verse 31 through chapter 16, verse 33, is Jesus' farewell address. This is Jesus' last conversation. It's his last words while walking the earth, if you will, before his death, Jesus was talking about being glorified. Look at verse 32, 13, 32, and 33. Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. And where I'm going, you can't come. Jesus was telling his disciples his glory involved his leaving. So the disciples are perplexed. Let me have your attention. The disciples are perplexed and they're bewildered and they are fearful and feeling worried and anxious because the one they loved and was willing to die for was going away. So Jesus spends all of chapter 14 comforting the disciples with the promise that he's coming back. Got a pen? Chapter 14 could be titled the comfort chapter because Jesus spends the entire chapter comforting his disciples. Jesus gives the disciples comfort upon comfort upon comfort. He's stacking up comfort, and he tells them that he won't leave them orphans. He's going to send the comforter. The comforter, who is that? The Holy Spirit. Very good. It was Martin Luther who said this of this chapter. Martin Luther said, It was the best and most comforting sermon that the Lord Jesus ever delivered on earth, a treasure and a jewel, not to be purchased with the world's goods. I love that. Here in the Gospel of John, John uses the word father 122 times. This is more than the rest of the other gospels combined. He uses the word father 20 more times in 1st, 2nd, 3rd John in the book of Revelation. Chapter 14 is the father chapter. Not only is it the comforter chapter or the, the comfort chapter, but it's also the father chapter of all the chapters in the Bible. The word father is used 23 times in this chapter alone. The word father is used 53 times in chapter 14, 15, and 16. So Jesus comforts the disciples 
in this chapter, and he tells them that they can find comfort in believing in the Father and believing in him. John chapter 14, 1 through 6, we find the foundation of comfort, not only for the disciples, but also for us as well. Listen, if you're feeling worried, or you're feeling anxious, or you're feeling bewildered, or perplexed, or confused, or agitated, or stirred up, whatever it is that's causing you discomfort, the reason is you're not trusting the Lord. Say amen. amen. The reason is you're not trusting the Lord. In these verses, Jesus wants to give us, or he's giving us, uh, three things that we need to trust. Jesus wants us to trust three things. Got a pen? This is our outline for today. Number one, trust his presence. We'll find that in verse one. Trust his presence. And then secondly, we are to trust his promises in verse two through three. Trust his presence, verse one. Trust his promises, verse two through three. And then finally, point number three, we are to trust his person in verse six. His presence, his promises, and his person. I've titled this sermon, The Comfort of heaven. John chapter 14, saints, we pick up in verse 1. Love this text. I think you do too. John chapter 14 and verse 1. If you're looking at verse 1, say amen. <laughs> Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Jesus says, in my Father's house are, what saints? Many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and I prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you will be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And then Thomas in verse 5 said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said in verse 6, saints, somebody read it with me, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. Jesus is talking about going away, as I said, and the disciples are rattling on the inside. Again, they're perplexed and they're filled with every kind of emotion. All of their hopes and dreams seem to be falling apart at this time. Uh, you remember earlier in John, Jesus had rode into Jerusalem on a donkey and the people were waving palm branches, remember? And they were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So with this, the disciples hoping Jesus is at a fever pitch. So Jesus starts talking about a grain of wheat. You know this, a grain of wheat falling to the ground and dying, and then it brings forth life. And now they're shaken. They're terrified because, as I said, they love Jesus, and they didn't want to lose him. And not only that, but think about what would happen to them. They had given up everything to follow Jesus, and now he's talking about dying and leaving them in a world that hated him and hated them. It was all so strange, and it didn't seem to fit. So their hearts are troubled. And Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Point number one, if you're tracking with me, if you need comfort, you need to point number one, trust his presence. Somebody say amen. Look at verse one again. Let not your heart be what, saints? Troubled. Listen, Jesus' cure for a troubled heart is let not your heart be troubled. This is a command, not a suggestion. In the Greek language, it's a present passive imperative tense. The present passive imperative tense. The idea is not, listen, it's not don't ever start worrying or be troubled. 
The idea is you should stop doing something that is already going on. You get that? Jesus says, I know you're already troubled. Now stop being troubled. Get a grip. This word trouble, interesting word, taking notes, it means a stirring or agitated. The Greek word is terasso, T-A-R-A-S-O-O, terasso. We've seen this twice already in John's gospel. You remember Jesus was at the pool of Bethesda, and uh, a lame man was waiting for the stirring or the troubling of the water, same word, or the agitation of the water. Uh, Again, Jesus said to his disciples, now my soul is troubled, agitated, same word. The Weiss translation says, let not your heart continue to be agitated. Here Jesus says, let not your heart be terrasso agitated, stirred up, troubled. Now listen, I told you this is a command and not a suggestion. So since it's a command, that means that we can control it because it's a command. Did you get that? We can control it because it's a command. In other words, listen, God will never give you a command without the built-in capability to keep that command. People say, well, God won't put more on you than you can bear. That's true. And God won't give you a command that you can't keep. For example, I am. For example, (laughs) amen. Amen. God won't say to you, jump over the moon. Why? Because you can't do that. God gives you a command. That means you have the ability to follow through with it and do it. So if Jesus says, get a grip, that means a grip can be gotten. You need to write that down. A grip can be gotten. Jesus is making it clear as a Christian, we have the power. Are y'all listening? As Christians, we have the power to control what goes in this mind and what's going on in the mind. You have the power to control your thought life. Or as Jesus describes it in our text, your heart. Let not your heart or your thought life, your emotions be agitated, troubled, stirred up. You have the capability to not allow your heart and mind to be overwhelmed. The Bible has so much to say about the mind. The Bible has so much to say about controlling of the mind. Do you know that the battle that you're in is a battle for the mind? The Christian life is a battleground, not a playground. The battle is for your mind. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. The battle is for what you think. That's what the Bible says. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The battle is for your mind. Satan is going after your thought life. That's why you got to put stuff, good stuff in, in order for you to think the right stuff. Somebody say amen. You got to think the right stuff, but you got to put some good stuff in. And here's the good stuff. Right? This is the good stuff. And Bible has so much to say about the mind. Can you keep up with me? Write this down, Isaiah 26.3. You will keep him in perfect peace. Memory verse, saints. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Proverbs 4.23, talking about the mind. Keep your heart or your mind with all diligence for out of it springs the issues of life. 2 Corinthians 10.5, bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, somebody help me, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Philippians 2, 5, 
Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. First Peter chapter, three, chapter 1, verse 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind and be sober. Y'all come on, read it with me. It's on the screen. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Everybody read it with me. Everybody. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind and be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus is telling the disciples, don't let my death and departure cause you fear and anxiousness and nervousness. You let not your heart be troubled. That's something you do. Jesus says, I want you to be comforted. And here's how you find comfort. Look at the second part of verse 1. You believe in God. What does it say, saints? Believe also in me. You see, that's how you find comfort. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Now, he could be saying, believe in God, command. Believe in me, command. Or he could be saying, you believe in God, you believe in me. The same. It was a fact that they believed in God. The Pharisees believed in God. Men believed in God. And Jesus is saying, you believe in God, you might as well believe in me. Just like God, you can't see him and you believe he's there, so you won't be able to see me. But that doesn't mean I'm not there. You always already trust God. You might as well trust me. In other words, Jesus is saying, trust my presence. Point number one, our comfort is in his presence. Whatever you fear, are you listening? Whatever you fear, whatever is your trouble, whatever is your problem, he's there. Point number two, trust his promises. Look at verse two and three. Look at verse two. In my father's house are what, saints? Many mansions. If it wasn't so, I would have told you. In other words, I'm not going to lie. If it weren't true, I would tell you. If there is nothing after this life, I would have told you. Jesus is saying, listen, fellas, I'm going away to get a place ready for you. And that place I'm going to is my father's house. Now, what is my father's house? Got a pen? Write this down. My father's house is heaven. Heaven. Do you know the Bible speaks about heaven 532 times? Heaven. Heaven goes by many names in the Bible. Heaven is called a country. Because of its vastness. Heaven is called a city because of the number of people there. Heaven is called a kingdom because of its structure and order. Heaven is called paradise because of its beauty. It's called a country, a city, a kingdom, and paradise. And here Jesus calls heaven my father's house. A few things about heaven, let me give you, and I want you to try to keep up with me if you can. A few things about heaven. Number one, heaven is real. Is there a witness here? Heaven is real. It's not the heaven of Hollywood. Amen. Heaven is real. It's not some ethereal place, some ethereal existence where we float into nothingness. Listen, the book of Revelation, John tells us uh, when, when he looked at heaven, uh, heaven was beautiful. 
Heaven uh, was brilliant. It was brilliant rainbow coming from the throne of God. Can you get that picture? A beautiful rainbow of colors coming from the throne of God. And it was just bright and brilliant in heaven, which tells us that, that, uh, that the heaven is full of color. Heaven is not all white. Let me go to the next point. Amen. Heaven is beautiful. Heaven is awesome. Heaven, in heaven, you'll receive your new body. I don't know about you, but I'm glad about that because this one's wearing down. This one's wearing down. Okay, so some of y'all seen the Facebook post my my daughter put up. Did y'all see it? Okay. Let's get the elephant out the room, okay? So there's a Facebook post my daughter put up of me dancing. And um, I was, for those of you who've seen, y'all know I was dancing hard. And uh, I'm telling you, I put my heart in that thing. And uh, man, I'm telling you, the next morning I woke up, everything was hurting. You know you're hurting when your nose hurts, okay? Everything was aching and hurting. And I'm like, ooh, I'm not young as I used to be. And uh, you know, in heaven, you're going to get a new body. You'll get a new body, and nothing will be hurting in heaven. Hallelujah. Nothing will be hurting in heaven. It seems, it seems oh, with every year, something breaks down. Where are my people at? Every year. Doesn't it feel like every year something else goes? I don't know. Everything just hurts, and the Bible, body gets old. The body is a tent, a shell, a place for our spirit to dwell. This body is an earth suit fitted for earth. And when you get to heaven, you're going to get a heaven suit fitted for heaven. In heaven, you're going to get a new body. Heaven is real. Here's the third point. Heaven is right. Heaven is right. Did you know that? Heaven is right. Heaven is a place where all wrongs are made right. Heaven will be a place of righteousness and rightness, a place where everything evil is absent and everything good is present. Everything sad will be gone and only joy will exist. Everything disappointing will disappear and everything exciting will appear. Everything depressing will be gone and everything hopeful will come. No sickness and no disease, no pain, no sadness in heaven. Everything is made right. Revelation 21, 4 tells us, and he, God, will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there shall be no more death. Are you glad about it? No more sorrow, no more crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. Come on, clap your hands and say amen. You should be glad about that. You know, somebody asked me one time, they said, Pastor Rodney, well, you know, when I see my grandmother in heaven, I'm going to be crying and hugging her. I'm going to be so happy to see her. And I said, you know, you'll probably be happy to see her, but I don't think you'll be crying. Because in heaven, there's no more tears. There's no reason to cry. And I think in heaven, we're going to have a different relationship. On the earth, we have grandma, nana, and pop-pop. That's what my grandkids call me. I'm pop-pop. Not nana, I'm pop-pop. Nana's nana. Amen. And I don't think we're going to have that kind of relationship in heaven. Uh, Will we know each other? I think we will. But will it be like that? I don't think so. Because the focus of heaven will be Jesus. 
The focus of our, we'll be worshiping Jesus. We'll be gathered around the throne like the elders and the angels gathered around the throne and singing worthy, worthy, worthy is the lamb. So will we know each other? Yes. We'll be crying? No. The relationship will be different. Number five, another great thing about heaven is that you're going to be surprised who's there. <laughs> Write that down. You'll be surprised who's there. And listen, you also will be surprised who's not there. Right? You're going to be surprised who's there. You're going to be like, you? Man, God really is a great God. He's, he's awesome, man. He let you in. Woo. Okay. Good thing I ain't God. No, just kidding. <laughs> Listen to this. Title, the best poem in the world. He was shocked. I was shocked, confused, bewildered as I entered heaven's door, not by the beauty of it all, nor the lights or its decor. But it was the folks in heaven who made me sputter and gasp. The thieves, the liars, the sinners, the alcoholics, and the trash. There stood the kid from seventh grade who stole my lunch money twice. Next to him was my old neighbor who never said anything nice. Bob, who I always thought was rotting away in hell, was sitting pretty on cloud nine, looking incredibly well. I nudged Jesus, what's the deal? I would love to hear your take. How'd all these sinners get up here? God must have made a mistake. And why is everyone so quiet, so somber? Give me a clue. And Jesus said, quiet, my child. They're all in shock. No one thought they'd be seeing you. Yes, you'll be surprised who's there, and you're going to be surprised what? Who's not there. That's right. Another great thing about heaven, you checking with me? Heaven, listen, there's going to be variety in heaven. Variety. What do I mean? Notice the Bible says there are many mansions in heaven. This word mansions oftentimes, unfortunately, gives people the wrong impression. People think that heaven has many big, huge mansions. Or many big, huge houses. Uh, like heaven is going to be a really, really nice upscale subdivision. Some people think that. And of course, Peter is standing at the gate, handing out maps of the property. You can take your golf cart and go eight blocks, turn left. Your mansion is third on the right. People think that. Listen, there's a lot of speculation. If you were to go and do your homework on this topic, many mansions or mansions as referred to talked about by Jesus, you'll find that people are all over the place with, you know, what are many mansions? Uh, what is many mansions? And some have said that many mansions is a hotel room um, or hotel rooms. I'm not making this stuff up. Some have said many mansions is spiritual bodies or spiritual activity. This word mansion is translated dwelling place, abiding place, or rooms, it would read, in my father's house are many rooms or abiding places or dwelling places. Listen, the truth be told, we are not sure and no one can be definitive about what this mansion is. And, 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 and what are these mansions? Nobody can be exactly sure as to what they are. I've heard some good speculations. I've, had some, I've heard some good positions. But nobody can be, be really sure. What we do know is let's put this in context. Let's put this in the context of what, Je of what the disciples heard when Jesus said this. In those days, families would grow by adding rooms to their house. So when the kids got married and they had kids, mom and dad would simply add a room to the house. As the family grew another room, the family keeps growing another room. 
Uh, we can't relate to that these days because we don't add a room. The kids just come back home and move back into their room. <laughs> Unfortunately. It is true. They go away, but they come back. <laughs> Parents, where you at? You know that's true. They go away, but they come back. Amen. We love them. So listen, the point that Jesus is making is that there is plenty of room. We can definitively know that. That there is plenty of room. No overcrowding in heaven. No weary traveler will be turned away. No, no vacancy signs. Heaven is as wide as the love of God. There's plenty of room in the Father's house. Well, listen, here's another great thing about heaven. The greatest thing about heaven, let's say that. The greatest thing about heaven is that God is there. Amen? Amen. The greatest thing about heaven is God is there. You know what? I don't care if heaven were in a super Walmart. If God is there, it's heaven. Heaven is heaven because God is there. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.